What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay. As always, I'm your host, Jasmine Ellis, and I am joined by someone I'm so excited to talk to. She's absolutely hilarious. You can watch her half hour special on Comedy Central, uh, on the Comedy Central app, and she's just doing so many cool things. Y'all give it up for Mia Jackson. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) How are you doing today, Mia? I'm doing all right. How are you? I am good. Today has been, um, I, okay. I just, I hadn't ordered pizza hut in a long time. And you know how sometimes you like, you forget something not that good. Mm-hmm. Isn't that good. And then mm-hmm. like all the anticipation in your head is like, this is going, Ooh, this is going to fuck my day up. It's going to make it amazing. And then like, you just, mm-hmm. I think, I think I just, I wanted, I wanted that pizza hut from 1998. And I don't think I've got the, not nostalgic pizza that's what you wanted yes you know what i mean and yeah. i don't think pizza hut changed have i changed i don't know so just like that's my pizza recent hut. letdown no pizza hut has changed They're okay not the same. it's yes. not it's not like it's not childhood pizza hut not at all no. no do you remember when there was physical pizza huts and you could go inside and with the salad bar and yes. <laughs> yeah yeah like that was a treat like i remember walking in there as a kid and just being like this is the best. And then you go somewhere like New York or Chicago and you're like, oh, that was wrong. <laughs> that was very wrong. So you've traveled everywhere. Question, what do you think is better? Uh, New York pizza, Chicago pizza, or lesser known third. Oh, wait, no, three. I'm going to you four. New York, Chicago, Detroit. Detroit style is a thing. It's a square pizza that's like all square. squared around. And I've then- about the square St. Louis style pizza is also a thing. I I recently. No, I haven't had St. Louis pizza. Yes. Maybe this was just someone messing with me and they're like, no, this is St. Louis style pizza. I did not know that was a thing. Um, I know that I know the I know Chicago and New York people argue all the time, but I will say like walking around the streets of New York, it is something very cool and fun about being like, just gonna go over there and grab a slice real quick. You know, so that is, is delicious and greasy and wrong. And I love it just in the middle of the street, just having, you know, cause I don't know how to act and I all my shirts have a grease stain right in the middle. But um, yeah, I, I'll just do that paper plate, just try my best to, to um, not get the stain, which happens anyway. But I will say I've I do enjoy a good ass deep dish Chicago pizza too. So I don't I like them both, which I know is ridiculous. And I know people from either city would fight me, but I do like them both. Maybe that's the most rational answer because they are such wildly different experiences. Like to me, you, you described it so much, you described it so well because like the New York pizza is on the go, but the Chicago pizza is an event. Like, do you have time for a knife and a fork right now? I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I went, to, what is the one place? Is it Lou Malnati's, I think, in Chicago? And I remember going there one time with someone and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> like, it was just so good. And uh, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is solid and great. Yeah. So today on the show, I'm so excited. We're talking, we're kind of wrapping up our series. Have you listened yet? It's okay. You won't hurt my feelings. It's okay. <laughs> I have not. It's okay. I'm sorry. But you, but, you, but you had me at talking about music. I was like, yeah, I will absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you're someone who like loves music. I like talking to comedians that like music a lot, which is just so funny because I feel like every comedian like, OK, let me ask you this. If you can wake up tomorrow with all the music ability in the world, would you choose that over your current comedic abilities? Absolutely. Yeah. I let me tell you, if I could play the piano and I did take piano lessons as a child, which clearly if I'm still asking for the skill set, didn't do well at it as a child. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I would take piano and if I could play guitar and, but, but for, for sure, if I could play piano and could do a singer songwriter thing, oh, I would, it would, it would be nothing I would love more than to sit, have, just, just be doing this over and over and then throw my head back every two seconds. That's, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> So you want to be an artist. See me, I'm trying to be a pop star. I want, I want to sing two and a half notes and then have them re-recorded and layered over each other. For me, it's, it's doing the elbows and the dances. Yeah. You're about the artistry and the craft right. and shit. I'm like, I want to be a star, damn it. Like, I just want to, you know, run my hands across a keyboard one good time, kick some stuff over. That's what, you know, yeah. So that's the difference between L.A. and New York. (laughs) (laughs) You want to be in a basement working on your craft. (laughs) Right. Getting up in the middle. (laughs) Excuse me. Getting up in the middle of the night and then like going. I have an idea and then just having bits of paper all over the room. That's what I want for my music career. (laughs) very artistic life i like that a lot so today what we're doing on the podcast is we got our three segments we're going to start with our first segment which is what we call off the record it's a history segment about the history of music and for the last month we're actually coming to a close y'all this is our second to last episode with this theme we've been doing dun 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 i really should have had a sound effect for this part (laughs) we've been doing I don't know why I, I, I'm I'm recording in a like virtually in a studio like you people have buttons I could have talked to Grace or Key or, or Chris or somebody and had them do it. but anyways it's called behind the murders and like behind the music and what I'm, I'm going it. for I'm with is it. It, you're with okay so it's interesting and it was funny because I was like man why does everything have to be about murder it's a music podcast but fun fact uh, musicians both get murdered and murder folks. Um, there's a lot All of stories. <laughs> so we, we, we've dug into quite a few. We talked about Biggie. We talked about Selena. We talked about um, a couple, uh, I think the episode with Chris, I did one with uh, Chris Denman is a mutual friend of ours um, or maybe mutual nemesis. What's your relationship? <laughs> nemesis. Nemesis is what he is. Make sure um, it's on audio that I've said it. All right. Well, Chris, I hope Kim Whitley can protect you because Mia Jackson <laughs> is out to get you. <laughs> he knows. He knows. <laughs> so we're breaking down each episode. That was a fun one because we did this composer from the 1600s who survived two assassination attempts on his life because he kept sleeping with the wives of the counts Ooh. who would hire him to teach music. I love that. Stuff is- like that. Oh, that is so the this, kind of content I love. 
Thank you. You can you can listen to it. It's kind of fun. So this next one today, I chose this artist. I've been holding off on it because I wanted to make sure I was fully. <laughs> now I sound like an anti-vaxxer. I wanted to do my research. <laughs> She's gonna do my research. Just gonna do my research. <laughs> but I held off on this one because I wanted to do this story a lot of justice and understand everything. Are you familiar with the singer by the name of Sam Cooke? Of course. Come on. Absolutely. Yes. yes. You're a black woman from the South. You know, he was a soul singer in the 60s. For those of you who don't know, he's famous for songs like A Change Is Gonna Come is probably his most influential song. Uh, and then I'd also mm -hmm. say You Send Me, which is also, yeah. if you compare the difference vocally and how those two songs are sung, it really speaks a lot to what being a black artist was at the time. It was mm -hmm. curating a voice that would be inoffensive and enjoyable for white audience, let's just say white audiences, because that's mm -hmm. who's in control. So you and there's this record I found because I watched the documentary. Me and I, <laughs> uh, let me pull the curtain back real quick. Me and I tried to do this two days ago <laughs> using a raggedy app that that uh, <laughs> rhymes with uh, Hiverside FM, and it did not work. <laughs> so we had this conversation, and she told me to watch this documentary, "The Two Deaths of Sam Cooke," and I watched it last night. And I learned so much about it. And I also learned so much about it. And he has this record called um, Sam Cooke Back in Harlem. And it is some of his like songs that were really popular on white radio stations, but like him singing in his full range and full register that he had as a gospel singer. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's amazing to think about like how now like pop and R&B are so fused. We've got, you know, Beyonce oh. and Rihanna. It's, it's absolutely normal to hear, you know, like an Ariana Grande, like that type of belting and wailing was not acceptable yeah. for black art. Yeah. It was, they called oh, it hollering. Sure. They called it race mm -hmm. music, wanted, you know? So they wanted it restrained. Yeah. They wanted to, uh, yeah. yeah. Like take, remove some of that soul from the voice, you know? Yes. Yeah. And then also remove the mm -hmm. controversy. And it's interesting to see when you put yourself in that mindset, that's what makes this killing of Sam Cooke so controversial and confusing. So I'm reading an article here from People Magazine that was published last year around the time that uh, A Night One Night in Miami came out, which is a great film. Regina King uh, directed it, and it is about a night that Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke all got together, and it's uh, pretty interesting. And that brought out a lot of light towards the murder. So I'm going to read this article. And Mia, if you have any questions or just thoughts, feel free to pop in. All right. I will. Guest at the $3 a night <laughs> Hacienda Motel didn't notice the shots that rang out just after 3 a.m. on the morning of December 11th, 1964. Gun violence was disturbingly common in this part of South Africa. I don't mean to laugh. It's far too early to be laughing at this. But the phrase disturbingly common is like, yeah, no, people be shooting in South Central LA. Okay. Uh, even the cops seem slightly blasé at the sight of a dead man lying bloody and naked, save for a sport coat and a single shoe propped up against the door of the motel manager's office. The attitude was, and this is a quote from Norman Edelman, one of the few police of color, um, which just say black. It was a black police officer. I've seen this man now. Uh, the attitude was, well, there's another nigga who got shot. And one of the few men of color to serve the precinct of LAPD in 1964, that's Norman Edelman, he told people in that week's issue that it would be hours before authorities learned the man's identity. And that's when the shock set in. The body belonged to 33-year-old Sam Cooke. So Sam Cooke was only 33 when this happened. 
the soul pioneer who brought gospel grandeur to American popular music with songs like You Send Me, Wonderful World, and Another Saturday Night, helping artists like Aretha Franklin and James Brown make the leap from the church to the charts. It seemed inconceivable that one of music's most heavenly voices would meet such a hellish end. For more than half a century, the hazy circumstances of Cook's murder have baffled his family, friends, and fans. Now questions about Cook's mysterious death are resurfacing once again as the new film One Night in Miami starring Hamilton star Leslie Odom Jr. as the singer chronicles the pivotal role Cook and his music played in the civil rights movement. So to give you some background, at the time of his death, Sam Cooke is starting to become more political in his music. In fact, one of the things that inspired him was Bob Dylan's uh, Blowing in the Wind, and he decided to do a live cover of it. Did you watch the documentary, right, Mia? I did, yes. Mm-hmm. Did you see that part where he was performing it and like all these people were like snapping real offbeat on stage to it? Cause, um, gosh, because it's been a while since I've seen it. I, I remember them talking about it, but I don't remember seeing that part though. But I, I remember when they covered his inspiration though. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because it was like this whole stage of white people and they're just... No. The snapping no. just gets no. faster and faster. No, fast and wrong. Fast and wrong. <sighs> Have you ever seen that tape of Justin Bieber stopping an audience to teach them to clap on beat? <laughs> no, but I need you to now. It's, I will send you this clip. He's just, no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Please, I need, because, yeah. I need that content. Any music thing, uh, I, I got to see it. Poor Joe. It, it, the frustration on his face. I think he's in Sweden or something. And it's just everyone is all on the one and the three. It's just <laughs> uh, a country full of the whitest white people. And just <laughs> off I know. I'm looking forward to the comments from the, the white people who clap on beat. <laughs> and, and you know what? To that, I, I, I see you. Congratulations. But you know you're an anomaly. Please don't act like you're the norm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so, just <clears throat> that was such an important moment in the documentary, and I still found myself being like, "Oh no, <laughs> what is happening?" Yeah, this is. I can't. I can't. I just. <laughs> so, just to give you some more some more perspective on all of this, um, here is what happens the night of his death. The singer spends his last night alive enjoying dinner at Martoni's, a chic L.A. eatery and watering hole for Hollywood's musical elite. Cook was joined by Al Schmidt, his close friend and longtime partner, and Schmidt's wife as martinis flowed and Cook wandered to the bar where he chatted with his injured friends and merrily waved around a wad of $5,000 cash. That's what everyone says that is the consistent thing is that he had $5,000 cash and was waving it around. It was his take from a recent set of concert dates. Schmidt last saw him getting cozy with a woman he didn't recognize. That woman was 22-year-old Elisa Boyer. Cook and Schmidt made plans to meet up at a nightclub called PJ's later that night, but Sam never showed up. Schmidt, now 90, tells people, so I went home and I was told later he got there about 15 minutes later, just before closing time, and they wouldn't let him in and he was with that girl. Cook drove Boyer 15 miles south to the hotel Hacienda Motel, where they checked in and just after 2.35 a.m., signing the register as man and wife, which Mm. I think is interesting. Mm. Uh, The real Mrs. Cook, Barbara Campbell, mother of his two children, Linda and Tracy, was elsewhere, no doubt familiar with his nocturnal excursions. Now, what happened next remained shrouded in mystery. Boyer, that's the 
lady who was with him claimed that cook dragged her into the bedroom pinned her down on the bed and began to tear off her clothes and there's on the stand and in this article she claims that he was uh, that she knew he was going to attack her and she felt threatened in that moment so she ran out and took she said in a haze she meant to take her clothes but she <clears> took <throat> his which contained his wallet and cash she ran down the street to a nearby phone booth and made a panicked call to the police telling this dispatcher that she had been kidnapped now this is what this is where a lot of speculation comes in cook supposedly flew into a rage when he saw both the boyer and his clothes were gone blinded by anger and alcohol he wrapped himself in a sport coat his only remaining piece of clothing and confronted the hotel manager 55 year old bertha franklin who cook believed was shielding boyer franklin claimed the encounter turned violent with cook breaking down her door and throttling her and I watched this on the stand and I, I'm someone who absolutely always believes victims, but there are a few mm -hmm. things that don't add up details wise. Um, mm -hmm. Cook, who's the manager of the inn, claims that he had her bo by both arms and he was incredibly strong. But then she also claims that she was able to wrestle away and get the gun. And the way she describes it does seem a little, I'm like, which, which happened? So anyways, mm -hmm. did you feel that way when you're watching that part? Like, hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That whole, like, I remember seeing that whole section because I because you know as a like you said earlier black woman grew up in the south I remember you know my 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 grandma had like pictures of Sam Cook <laughs> you know like so like you know you know you know you've heard of these people you know that kind of thing and so you you know then you find out like oh he was young when he died you know not really knowing the circumstances and you find out all this other stuff so you're just like oh wow you know you hear the surface story of oh he was killed in this motel you know, and then I saw the documentary and I'm like, oh no, like, oh boy, you know, like that's what happened. Like there's way more to this story than just this surface level story that I've always heard, you know, and it just, it seemed, it seemed very fishy to me, mm -hmm. that, you know, it just seemed, it was just like some, just like, like you said, I believe, you know, I believe victims, you know, but it's just, it was just something about it. it was like oh this seems off like a lot of this just doesn't seem to match and then like i think it weren't even people in a documentary that were kind of saying like yeah it doesn't really match up with how he was as a person either you know like yes. it just seemed very incongruent yeah yeah i mean and there's you know it was interesting because they did interview two men who were like he's a nice guy he'd never have to force himself on anybody i'm like mm, that is what men tend yeah. to believe of other men yeah, that's, you know that's I mean? true yeah yeah and two things can be true at the same time. A person can, right. you know, be a good guy and then also do something wrong. So I, you know, I'm I'm open to all thoughts on this, but here's where things get a little bit interesting here. So she claims that as she was fighting, biting, scratching everything, Franklin grabbed her 22 pistol and squeezed off three shots. Two missed, but the other tore through Cook's heart and lung. Cook gasped, lady, you shot me before falling dead. That's her claim. The LAPD marked Cook's death a justifiable homicide. Speaking in the 2017 documentary, Lady You Shot Me, forensic pathologist Dr. Cyril H. Wecht argued that Cook's death was not justifiable homicide because Cook, wearing a sport coat and nothing else, had no weapon and was not in fear of her life. But her definition of them arguing, fighting, uh, that kind of thing, you could say yeah. that she felt overpowered. Most who yeah. knew the singer refused to accept the official story. To them, this violent and unreasonable behavior seems so unlike the fundamentally gentle man they knew and loved. They believe that his death was a result of a setup, claiming that Boyer was a prostitute working in cahoots with the motel manager to rob Cook. Uh, the Hacienda Motel was a well-known hub for pimps and sex workers. And Boyer, according to the theory, lured him there. 
Why else would Cook travel so far out of his way, passing plenty of other accommodations? And I have to agree with that part. You got $5,000 on you and you drive really far to a sketch hotel in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe he didn't want to be recognized. I could maybe see that too. But then he he signs the ledger with his real name. Right. Yeah. And then, and so then, yeah, because then that's kind of thing that makes you go like, was this just the place he had come before, you know, to take a little side blade you know like you just don't know like like why would you I have put a your theory too in that situation i have a theory too that most famous married couples kind of have an arrangement i think the arrangement is like do what you want but don't embarrass me or cost me oh money. for sure for sure that yeah i i have i have said plenty of times to my uh boyfriend i'm like listen if i blow up and we have a pool and there's a pool boy <laughs> Yeah. Just understand. Understand we will have the money to sweep anything under the rug. <laughs> so I'm just telling you ahead of time. So you want an arrangement for you. You I, for, I, and I told him and I said, I said, I remember I said, if if we were to have a kid and there's a nanny, just make sure she just feeds my baby. And whatever you got to do, that's all I know about. I just know about the baby feed, and I don't know about nothing else. That's all. (laughs) So he's clear. Just don't get sloppy. That's it. Oh, Oh, man. Oh, and the $5,000 that Cook was carrying the night of his death? Never recovered. So, hmm, $5,000 just goes missing like that. Old girl never gives the money back. Just saying. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Other elements of the case didn't add up. Cook had been shot with a 22 pistol, but the gun registered to Franklin was a 32. The bullets that passed through his body was taken into police evidence and then quickly went missing because that bullet would have revealed mm-hmm. that maybe it didn't come from the same gun. I don't know. His mm-hmm. autopsy revealed a two-inch bump on his head. Franklin claimed that after she shot him, she dropped the gun and beat him with a wooden broom handle. Yet the gun still contained numerous bullets. If Franklin was frightened for her life, why would she drop a loaded gun she had just fired in favor of a stick? Nope. Yeah, see, it doesn't add up. The woman appeared to have no marks or injuries when she testified before cameras five days after the murder occurred. This is surprising even given the fight that she described. Guests at the motel told police that they had never heard any gunshots or sounds of an altercation. At the moment Cook confronted her, Franklin was on the phone with the motel owner, who testified to hearing much of the struggle on the other end of the line. Crime scene photos appear to show abrasions on Cook's body. Singer Etta James, who viewed Cook's body at the funeral, wrote in her memoir that Cook's head was practically disconnected from his shoulders. That's how badly he had been beaten. His hands were broken and crushed, and they tried to cover it up with makeup, but I could see his massive bruises on his head. No woman with a broomstick could have inflicted that kind of beating against a strong, full-grown man. Ooh, so that's another interesting detail. There is the side theory that possibly Cook was killed somewhere else, and then his body was just dumped at the Hacienda Motel. Rumors have swirled about the circumstances regarding Cook's death. Some blamed his business manager, Alan Klein, a notoriously ruthless music industry shark, claiming that he wanted to wrest control of Cook's millions. Now, here's something I found out in that documentary, is that... There was a contract giving Cook his own production company named after his daughter, it would be called Tracy. And what was the original agreement was for Cook to have ownership of this and be the sole partner of it. And when he 
got sick from like the flu, he takes a little bit of time and goes through his contracts and realized that it's actually set up for him to be an employee of Klein. Mm. He had been completely mm. screwed over in this agreement. And the weekend that he finds this out, he tells one of his friends that he's going to fire him on Monday, but then dies that weekend. That's suspicious. Mm. Set up. As a, especially the time frame in people didn't want black I mean, people don't want black people to have nothing now so yes i mean really back then and because he was you know very popular very well known he's a handsome guy you know like had all these fans it just means his popularity would have grown more and more and he would have been very influential so yeah when i heard that part i was like yeah i think something fishy Something fishy indeed. Much of the confusion surrounding Cook's death stems from the fact the LAPD conducted only a cursory investigation, giving many the impression that authorities wanted to sweep the matter under the rug. If Cook had been Frank Sinatra, the Beatles, or Ricky Nelson, the FBI would be investigating, said Cook's friend Muhammad Ali. And by the way, this happens pretty shortly after Muhammad Ali drops the name Cassius Clay and announces himself as a Muslim and changes his name. He's also, Cook is also starting to hang out with Malcolm X. Now, this is a person who was considered clean cut, cookie cutter, was safe and accessible to white people. And all of a sudden he's hanging out with scary black Muslims and then ends up dead. Just say, you know, there's a lot of power in people from disenfranchised groups who already have access. You know what I mean? If, if, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting what happened. It's all, yeah, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It's just all no, just no, what are you a, saying? a lot. No, no, I'm just saying it's just all because it's like, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, the public perception is like, wait a minute. He was this guy. Now he's this and he's got to keep people under control. You know, like that's what it kind of seems like to you. Mm-hmm. So there's the theory that like it was not investigated properly to sweep it under the rug, but then also the theory that it was not investigated properly because they just didn't care because he was a black man. According to Edelson, the reason was simple. The LAPD didn't give a damn about Sam Cooke. They could not have they could not have cared less or been interested less in pursuing a full thorough investigation. Edelson says it was emblematic of the racism that permeated entry. Oh my God, who wrote the, this is chunky. This is chunky writing people. <laughs> All right. These look. All right. So what they mean to say is like, look, the the police didn't give a fuck about black people back then. All right. That was just the attitude. So this is a very blase way of saying that. Yeah. (laughs) And even the veneer of show business wasn't enough to earn Cook respect from Los Angeles law enforcement. Unfortunately, even though Sam Cook was well known, they would not have been that concerned. The fact was a black man had gotten killed over at a whorehouse. That was their attitude. Why would it have been any different? Could they have done a real good deep investigation? Absolutely. But it wasn't worthy of the LAPD's time. There was no care, no concern, and maybe they were even glad he was dead. Edelin hasn't ruled out involvement from even a higher law enforcement agency, say the FBI. When you consider the FBI's attitude about minorities and civil rights at the time, they definitely could have been an influence, he said. They probably were. He cites Cook's friendship with other high-profile Black figures, like I just said, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, who were both under surveillance by the FBI at the time, uh, which was being helmed by notoriously paranoid J. Edgar Hoover. Sam had gotten very much involved with civil rights, and Sam Cook established a good relationship with Ali. At the time, his relationship with Ali made him a suspect. Now, 
these are theories, of course, they're not proven. You know, we at Rhythm and Bay are not a, a police investigation force. We are a comedian in her living room trying her best. <laughs> but at the, and it's just so crazy to think because <laughs> we at Rhythm and Bay are just Jasmine Ellis. And <laughs> Just in my little room, just sitting up in my room, just. <laughs> but there's, it's just so powerful to think about what he was accomplishing at the time of his death. He became one of the first singers of the era to wear his hair natural. I don't know why it never really, maybe this is just a little privilege bubble I have of being someone born in the, the late 80s. It didn't even factor into me because there's so much politicism around black women in our hair. If we wear it mm -hmm. straight, we're trying to look white. If we wear it natural, we're militant, you know? All yeah. of this stuff. I forgot that men used to be in the beauty shop scalding their heads. Cocks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The little Richard, the whole wavy dude, the yeah. whole situation. At the time, Sam Cooke having that itty bitty teeny weeny afro was revolutionary. Uh -huh. Like it said that his mother almost fainted the first time she saw him on TV because she couldn't believe she didn't he didn't do something with his hair before getting on television. Oh, wow. It was such a powerfully black statement to wear your hair the way it grows out of your head. It's wild. Uh, and his powerful oh, embrace of his ethnic heritage. His 1960 hit Chain Gang was a veiled critique of the oppressive oh. prison industrial system. That's pretty mm. powerful for the 60. And here's another thing. A Change is Gonna Come became an early civil rights anthem that was released two weeks after his death. That's crazy. What, oh, I have a question. Yes. Because I was, because it's been a while since I saw the documentary. Wasn't the trial like pretty quickly after the- mm -hmm. Five days. Like, like, it, like, okay, I was about to say, because I, I remember like going, that seems so fast. Like, what? Five days. Okay. And- and the woman who owned, who was the innkeeper would have had some kind of bruises if this fight had gone down the way she said it did. Now she wore sunglasses on the stand, which also seems wildly unorthodox. I thought mm -hmm. that was very strange. Also her mm -hmm. claim that she was kidnapped. Now Sam never had a weapon or a gun. And so how he managed to kidnap the 22 year old woman, it's just, it's yeah. very against his character. And that's you, we, the first time we tried to do this episode, Mia made a great point because I asked her, why is it called the two killings of Sam Cooke? And it's truly, it's what may have been an assassination of him. And then the assassination of his character afterwards, because he was building up so much in the black community and there was this idea of discrediting him. It's he, he died naked and broke in a whorehouse. Yeah. If yeah. you, if you take that, it takes away all of the credibility he established in both black mm -hmm. and white America. And so it's really interesting to, to look into that. Yeah. It's very, very sad. Just to, yeah, that documentary. I mean, I, it was, uh, I think I watched it. I think I was on a road somewhere one weekend and I was like, Oh, why did I do this while I'm, traveling and on the road i should have just been at home somewhere where i could ball up in peace watch this yeah did you so watch it heavy. before or after a show oh god I'm, i feel like i think i might have watched it like was it like during the day or something or i just remember it might have been after a show but i just remember like telling people like you gotta watch this documentary like this is very powerful like you gotta watch this thing 
So I feel like all of us like don't have cable on a regular basis. So then you go in a hotel room and you're like, what is America watching? And then you just right. get invested in something. I watched this Teddy Pendergrass documentary about like how he too. was like, isn't it good? It's a good talk. So good. I watched that during his, the pandemic. Yes. And the ladies only yeah. shows that he would have and like how many people's husbands would come the to the shows bears. to fight him. Yes. <laughs> That was amazing. I mean, that whole thing, I was like, this is so good. I love it. Oh, really good. So here's another quote. The circumstances of Sam Cooke's death were so shady and the LAPD were aware, says Adeline, now an author. The FBI could easily have told the LAPD to stay out of it. And a lot of that stuff did happen. To date, there's no conclusive evidence that refutes the official version of the events. Cooke's blood alcohol level was found to be 0.14, twice the legal driving limit. The Hacienda Motel was later learned to be a frequent late night haunt for musicians who wanted to keep their extramarital affairs under the radar. And speaking in Lady You Shot Me, Dr. Cyril H. Wecht stated that he doesn't believe any of the alternate theories surrounding Cook's death. Journalist Pete Gallunk, who profiled Cook in the biography Dream Boogie, also failed to uncover any information that challenges the notion that Cook's death was anything but an act of self-defense. The FBI, the fact that an FBI conspiracy is in the realm of consideration is a testament to the deep racial divisions of the time. The neighborhood where Cook was murdered would go up in flames the following summer during Watts riots. The civil rights movement would endure a spurt on in part of a song release just weeks after his death. A change is going to come. Though he never lived to see the strides made for racial inequality, racial equality, the song became an anthem for black Americans fighting injustices and played as often today as it was half a century ago. So I, there's, I have like four theories. Like, let me just spout them off conspiracies. All right. Okay. Let's hear it. But, my one call is conspiracy. The first theory is that everything's true to an extent. Like it's possible mm-hmm. that Sam and that woman went to the hotel and he had the impression that they're going to have sex, but she had the idea to rob him. And it was just right. a robbery that went a bust. That's a right, possibility. Right. I can see um, that for sure. The things about like the gun being different, the beating being different. It's possible that Klein, his manager, had him roughed up and beaten and then left at that hotel and paid mm-hmm. the mistress and, and the, because it is also, it was also lo- noted. I forgot to mention this, that the woman he went with was also um, believed to be a sex worker. So it's possible that that's true too. But I have my thing about that theory, because I was reading into this is it's a little too soon. Like he finds out on Friday and then gets him killed Saturday. I mean, you got to have that in the back pocket. <clears throat> yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's like, yeah, when did he hear that he? Because I mean, I'm sure he had heard heard from somebody he was gonna get fired. But then again, I guess when when I think about like relationships with managers and agents and things of like it, I think people know when they're about to be on the outs, you know. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. wondering if it was something that was kind of building up, and then maybe he got word, and he's just like, "Oh, well, let me go ahead and." let me go ahead and, and do this now. You know, like maybe he's been kind of feeling like, oh, he's not happy with me. He don't really want to, you know, mm-hmm. he's good. There's also the idea that, coming. yes, there's also the idea that possibly he made him more money while he was alive. So he had nothing to do with it because maybe he wanted Sam to be alive so he could keep making money off or keep stealing from him. Basically. Right. Yeah. Keep stealing yeah, basically. Him. Yeah. As, as most, yeah. As and then most here's record my labels wa- during that time and in general. <laughs> here's my wildest theory. 
my wildest theory okay. is that Bobby Womack did it. Um, I, <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by Jasmine Ellis are not fully researched and are not rooted in facts. Well, well listen, <laughs> tell the people. You got to tell us why. Come on. Here's why. Okay, so for those of you who are not familiar with Bobby Womack, Bobby Womack was a protege of Sam Cooke. He was a, a great singer at the time who lived on to have several big hits, but in the midst of all this, did some foolishness. In fact, let me give you guys an article from Jet Magazine that was written about a week mm. after his death. Widow mm. of slain singer marries, not a week after, I'm sorry, a year after, 21 days after her marriage to Bobby Womack in Los Angeles last February 26, 29-year-old Barbara Cook, widow of slain pop singer Sam Cook, sat in a marbled and mirrored room that was her husband's studio and talked of love, life, and death. I feel that Sam would certainly want me to do this, Barbara insisted on her then upcoming marriage, mm -hmm. just 77 days after the death of her husband. I feel that, and he did too, that time has nothing to do with it. There is so little time to be happy. So if you find it and you want it, you should pursue it. Be happy, be in love. And this was like our motto, be happy, whatever it takes. All right, girl, whatever you need to say. Sam and <laughs> sorry, Miss Barbara, right. I don't mean to call you, okay. call you a girl okay, like Barbara. that. I don't know you, oh. Miss Ma'am. <laughs> Miss Barbara, Sam and I, like other couples, sat down and discussed this, and his only desire was to see that the kids and I would be happy forever, with him or without him. I felt the same way for him, and we just felt that it was right to continue to be happy, regardless of whether I left him first or he left me first. So that's kind of the public-facing thing about it, but that is true. 77 days after Sam Cooke's death, she marries Bobby Womack. And Bobby Womack... days this is kind of just a wild story. So he, he married his wife. They, it was his mentor and best friend. And he married her wife, married his wife and brought her to, they arrived together at the funeral. He's wearing Sam's suit and driving Sam's car. People on both sides of the family were enraged by this. It was all, it was scandalized right away. Sam Cook was Bobby Womack's mentor. <laughs> right sam's brother assaulted him so at the funeral sam's brother jumps on bobby they get into a fight right then and there uh -huh. and then later on we find out that sam that sorry not sam bobby has an affair with uh -huh. sam and barbara's daughter 18 mm -hmm. years old at the time yeah has an affair and leaves her and the two of them get married so he later married so i'm just i don't know no, his brother kind of no his brother married no, the brother married, um, Bobby Womack's brother married the daughter. Oh, okay. I'm confused. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what it was. So it was like Sam, so Sam Cook's daughter had an affair with, uh, cause I think I forget which book it was in. I, I don't know if it was in, in, had an affair see how with, messy this with, is? with Linda. Y'all, you with hear the daughter. Linda Womack. Yes. Linda and married yes, Bobby brother's Cecil Womack. Yes. And together Yeah. And, and together they, they, they have a successful yeah. recording career under the name Womack and Womack. <laughs> yes, and that's one of my favorite songs, Baby I'm Scared of You. I told you, you gotta look at the video. It's the it's so so eighties and I love it so much. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. That is pretty yeah, darn brother. Yeah. Scandalous. Just scandalous. All of it is so Wait. scandalous. I just And when you get Wait. a chance, you've gotta read how he the brother met the daughter like she was like eight or nine or something and he was maybe i don't know was he like 11 or 12 but it's some article where he talks about where he's like 
I thought she was much older than what she was because of how she carried herself. And then like, it's, it's, it's I can't, if I find an article, I'll have to send it to you because they talked about how, like how they met and how I think the brother ended up marrying like, was it somebody from Motown and had kids with her? And then later on, he came back and found the daughter and was like, you want to get married or not? What are we going to do? Kind of thing. And then that's, yeah, it's, it is, I was like, this is a whole thing. Motown it's, is messy and yeah. incestuous. There is yeah, a lot. A I did a whole thing. I did uh, I did an episode about how Diana Ross neglected to tell her daughter that she was Barry Gordy's child. I know. Isn't that <laughs> wild? Isn't that wild? Just, just wild. Just, just I love wild. stuff like that. like, this man who you look like, girl, that's your uncle. Like, that's what she, <laughs> like, it's, yeah, I love, listen, I, and if you, have you, if you get a chance, you got to read, um, uh, God, uh, Dream Girl, My Life as a, as a Supreme, Mary Wilson's um, um, autobiography. So good. I it is not. so, so good. And then there's a, one that comes out later, which I forgot the name of that one, but the, as a, I probably reread Dream Girl, My Life as a Supreme a million times as a child, but it, it's also a lot of rich history about, you know, just them becoming a group, but it's really dope. I love it. I love it. I'm I sorry, need to I look got, into I it. got us off task. I love it, do not apologize, girl. There are no ta- the task of sharing is what we do. So that's going to wrap up behind the murders this week. The story of Sam Cooke. A lot is still on the table. A lot is still it's still a mystery to this day. And uh, we have our theories. My theory that Bobby Womack did it is not grounded in anything <laughs> I, but speculation. <laughs> but listen, I I appreciate it, and it seems pretty solid to me. If we're, I mean. 77 I mean, days afterwards. I can tell you how like 21. I yes. What if he hired the hooker to rob him and then it just went, it went bad. It, yeah. Yeah. And what if he was like, maybe I'll set this up so that we, he, you know, Barbara finds out that he was out in these streets. Mm-hmm. What happened to maybe that the $5,000 you to- had? Just to get him arrested the and then get him out of the picture, maybe. and then things went yeah. awry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what it was for him to be like. Remember when he left the house with the five thousand dollars earlier? That's gone. Why is it gone? Now you got to explain what happened to this cash. Mm, that is some guilty or not, gotta... Samuel. I just can't believe waving five thousand dollars around in the club in the sixties. Five thousand dollars was the down payment on a house. That was yeah. a lot yeah. of we... money. We've, we've got to get into some forums and find out if, if anybody else feels this Bobby Womack theory. I'm, just I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure I'm scared to go down that level. I don't want to see what like the anti-vaxxer Chloe Bailey is in the Illuminati crowd <laughs> thinks. Because <laughs> you know they've said something. You know that. I have... I used to work with a DJ who was obsessed with the Illuminati and like I was, it was a morning show host and he was a morning show host and he would just like, he pop in the studio, say hi to me and then just spout off his, his Illuminati theories at five o'clock in the morning. Like I would just be trying to sit my coffee and get back to reality and be like, you don't see Kanye with the red jacket in the zippers like Michael also in the Illuminati. (laughs) So now (laughs) in the back of my mind, I always can think of how he would see the, can, I see things in Illuminati brain. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I just can't wait till I get successful enough that people start speculating who I killed. You know what right, I mean? Right, <laughs> right. They're gonna be like, listen, like, did you listen to that episode where she was out here accusing Bobby Womack? What if Jasmine has something to do with Bobby Womack? Really? <laughs> you know, I'm tying it all together. I'm tying it all, tying it all together. I can see the red Somebody's, string. I can see the red. The connection will be, look, let me look. When, when, because there is, did Bobby, well, he's, he died, right? He did, right? Is he dead? So. It's hard to keep so. up with. It's so many. I think, I think, I think he's, I think he, hold on, let me see. Yes, he, 2014. So he died in 2014. Wow, his, so Sam Cook's wife, her, her name is my mother's name, maiden name. Barbara Campbell. Hmm. That is my mother's maiden name. Huh. Barbara is Campbell that why there's a picture of Sam Cook at your grandma's house? You know what? Jasmine, <laughs> you might be on to something. You might be on to something. Now, Maybe she just married your daddy, turned her life around. Now we're talking. Now I got to figure out what happened. I got to ask my mama, like, listen, your name is showing Barbara up Campbell. on Bobby Womack's and Sam Cook's page. Do you have something you want? Now she would have been like five at the time. So you know, <laughs> I'm not going to put that on my mama. I'm not going to put it on. <laughs> it's a lot. I do love the idea of changing your name and disappearing. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Like, is there something you want to tell me, Barbara? Is there? Is there? No. Wild. So that's going to wrap up questions. that segment for us. <laughs> Our next segment is the whole reason we have you on your show, on my show, the favorite part of the day. This is the soundtrack of your life. Mia, you have been tasked Word. with choosing five. <laughs> You've been tasked with choosing five songs that tell your life stories. Um, so we're going to just kind of, you just tell me the song and then I'll ask you a couple questions about it. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll go one song at a time until we get, do you want to start with number five? Number one, is this chronological? You know is it a, what do you want to do? Okay. So <clears throat> song, I mean, it's not in any order, but song number one, um, this is pre-allegation Michael Jackson. I can't help it from the Off the Wall album. I can't help it. It's kind of funny that you said pre-allegation because that title sounds like something you say after you're accused. Like <laughs> This is true, I can't, yeah. But let me tell you something, this song is, it's beautiful. I love that song, oh my God. But I'll wait for your questions before I get carried away. No, let's get into it. Why do you love this song so much? Does it take you to a specific time in your life? Does it remind you of a story? Yeah, so, yeah, like, okay. Um, I started, I mean, I was I listened to Michael Jackson as a kid, but then, like, I mean, Off the Wall was, was um, off because, I mean, I knew Thriller Michael Jackson and Bad Michael Jackson, and I hadn't really, I mean, I knew songs from Off the Wall, but I couldn't as a child, be like, oh, that's from the Off the Wall album. It was just like, oh, those are Michael Jackson songs because as far as I know, he only existed and started with Thriller. And, you know, but my dad had a lot of albums and stuff. So I knew, obviously knew Jackson 5 existed, but still I was a, like album-wise as adult Michael. Um, I um, ended up at one point, like, I remember going to, I, I bought the CD. I was like, oh, I want to I hear this Off the Wall album. And then... You hear, you know, it's all the, you know, don't stop till you get enough, rock with you, all those things. And then this is track number nine of 10 on the album. Mm -hmm. And it just sounded so unlike anything else 
I had heard of Michael Jackson because everything is all, you know, is pop. It's very catchy. It's, you know, R&B. And that song is kind of, um, is almost, I remember somebody described it this way, which I think is pretty accurate. They said, it's almost kind of like jazz, but the song was written by um, Stevie Wonder and I think his then wife, Susie Green, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, but Stevie Wonder wrote the song. And it's just such a pretty, pretty ballad. And like the lyrics are just really pretty. And it just kind of, when I would hear it, I would go like, oh, I wonder if this was like playing on a disco with a disco ball and it was dark, and, <laughs> you know? And it's just like this really pretty smooth, smooth song. And I gave it to this day, if I hear it, I love it. And I, um, maybe like a couple of years ago, I found an alternate, like the demo of him singing the demo. And it's still just as pretty just as the as the um, song, but it kind of reminds me of just back, like finding that when I was in high school and just, and I've I played it like through different points of, of my life. I just love that song. Who were you in high school? Were you popular? Were you quiet? Were you in theater? Were you in sports? <laughs> I, I was in sports, terrible, but um, yeah, I played really? basketball, awful, awful. Did they just make uh, every tall person do a sport to prove it do. to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> they do. And it's like, listen, it's like, guys, I told you I'm not coordinated. I don't have the gift of athleticism. I'd have these moments where there'd be some flashes of like, oh, she could be good if she tried. But I just did not enjoy basketball like that. I like to watch it more than I did to play it. But no, I was definitely not a, I remember even when I bought the album, I can remember, I think the dude that eventually, he was my boyfriend at the time. But I remember him kind of making fun of me because I think we were on a band trip when I bought it. And he was like, why would you buy that old CD? That CD's old. And I was like, this is Michael Jackson. This is timeless. Okay. This is classic, you know, but yeah, any, anybody who knows me knows that I love that song, but yeah, but no, but high school wise, I was just, I was around like, I, you know, I was in a band, I was a marching band. I was play basketball, play soccer. I was actually pretty decent at soccer and um, I was a goalie. And uh, yeah, but like, I was not homecoming queen popular, but I mean, you know, like I had friends, people knew me, that kind of thing that I was always kind of, I was not a overtly like class clown kind of funny, but like my friends who knew me, they're like, oh, she's, she can, she can cut sneaky, quiet, kind of funny kind of thing. So yeah. Class clowns rarely become comedians because I think they get that itch scratched and they're like, oh, yes, I naturally get a lot of attention in life. Now it's time for right. pharmaceutical sales and they're fine. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You're like, they're a doctor. Would have never guessed, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is that is so interesting. So I can't help it. Michael Jackson, yeah. written by Stevie Wonder. I am excited. I, mm -hmm. I always say this is a music discovery podcast, and I don't know every song that's out there. So you just made me aware that I don't think I've actually listened to Off the Wall in its entirety. I think I just know the singles, which is so sad. Yeah, I should. Yeah, that's track number track number nine. And it's um before, uh, what is it? Um, I mean, I know the whole track listing. That's how bad it was like with with that album like i'm like i think yeah track number one is don't stop till you get enough uh let me see um i know track number five is the song the title track off the wall uh, mm -hmm. and then track number 10 is i think it's a song called i think it's burn this disco out i think if i'm not mm -hmm. mistaken but it's like but like that sounds very of that time 
and then I think it, it's very because like it's a, the transition of the early 80s of like disco going yeah, away and yeah. and pop kind of becoming the thing and this is michael like changing the trajectory and the sound of music i oh i have such a hard time with my love of michael because like my mom oh, was same. like the local president of her of her michael family. track eight. like i'm sorry my bad is track eight i can't help it's it. track eight track, track, eight, track eight track track nine was this the falling in love that's the duet i think with patty austin my bad Ooh, but go on tell me okay, okay. i got it. but go on i'm like, sorry i, I got it. go on i love michael i love but then you, yes she was like the president of her of her like junior high i love michael jackson oh. fan like i mean when he died <laughs> wow. she went home and listened to his records like i mean my little sister's born on his birthday which is like a point of pride for her August like we, 29th yes we love michael Nin- jackson 1958 so- Yes. Yes. Um. yes. And that's the year my mom was born. And it's, I mean, we love Michael in my household, but it's like, I also can recognize, you know, two things can be true at once. A person can have had some bad, illegal, abusive habits, and then also have been right. a great, oh, I, uh, I chose a Michael Tragic. song as my, um, my father daughter dance song. I chose I'll be there as well me and my dad chose it together and you know and and my and it was kind of an homage to my whole family like my mom and my dad because that was one of her favorite songs and it's just michael you just you can't be a you can't be a black person born between like 1958 and 2004 and not have been affected by michael in some way shape or form you know um Oh, and look, here's another speech made me think about this. I, I don't know if it was from the Bad Sessions or not, but there's a song he has called uh, Someone Put Your Hand Out. And it's also a very beautiful ballad. I think that was like recorded in like, I think it was around the, the Bad album days, but I don't think it was, I forgot how I even heard it, but it's such a like and this was like when he was screaming Shimon a lot and this was a ballad <laughs> that came out you know and I was like this song is so I mean he does start screaming at the end of the song but it's such a sad beautiful song where he's like you know I spend my whole life longing um, you know and I'm like oh this song sounds so sad and beautiful but then he gets that yep 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 like the, and I'm like did you have to scream but other than that it's really pretty but you should look that one up too yeah I will. I will look that one yeah. up. And I'm I'm a huge fan of hollering, especially on the outro. I love a good yes. one to three minute hollering that just mm-hmm. doesn't stop. Yeah. That is my favorite. Mm-hmm. favorite the thing. outro with the fade out. Yep. It's so many people's yep. like songs. I, and I'm like, oh, I know that scream. I know the scream, you know, so. <laughs> Yeah, imagine yeah. being the producer because you always wonder like how much longer do people holler and scream before that that producer hits the little fade button and is like just let them keep going and we're good. yeah I I would never stop I, all if I was a producer all the songs would be like nineteen minutes long because I would never I would keep going we'll we'll I figure out where to cut it that's that's what I would do unrelated to your soundtrack of your life what is your favorite long ass song because it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as you know, actually, it's it's on my list. Um, um, actually, um, it's actually the. We'll next let you song. get to it. Okay, okay. Well, on that note, tell us about your long ass number two. <laughs> long ass number two is uh, "Green Eyes" by Erica Badu. Oh, that one! It sp- that, now that is interesting. How long it is, considering that this is a song from like the late '90s, early 2000s. Like that's not the norm at the time to make your because yeah. people's attention spans have gotten short. Like I look at these songs that are popular on TikTok, and they're a hard two minutes on the dot. 
like <laughs> yeah it is yeah they don't know nothing about these nine minute overtures like my personal mm-hmm. favorite extra long song is saturday love that one is nine minutes and um, 11 minutes i want to say it's um, alexander o'neill and um um that song sunday that monday tuesday yeah Thursday, saturday Sherelle. Yeah, yes. I know it was nine minutes long. I must have only heard the radio cut. Eight minutes and 41 oh. seconds. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, when it was the 3rd of September, a day I always remember, I revisited Papa Was a Rolling Stone. That's and I found out that it? that song, <laughs> we want guess how long that shit is. How long? I'm scared. 10 minutes. 12 minutes and three seconds. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> 1203. Oh. There is an entire two minutes. <laughs> We're gonna get in trouble for that, but all of that goes on for three minutes. It's three minutes before it was the third of September. <laughs> cause see, cause that's the thing. When you end up hearing like a, a song that has a real long intro, and then you hear the radio cut when you go back and hear the original, you're always like, cause you know where to jump in, and then you're like just waiting, and you're like, ah, that's not the point. Ah, that's not the point. Ah, that's not it either. Because you're so used to the short version of it. Yeah. Uh, You know, I just thought about something else that is a Jackson song. I think it's also fairly long, but it's a song called, uh, I think it's I Am Love, parts one and two. And I feel like that one's a very long one, too. Um, That's got to be. But I can't. I'd love to know what the longest song on record is. If you guys know, please message us. I just remembered another song that I love that is long. Um, Superwoman by Stevie Wonder. I think that one's a pretty long one. I Am Love is seven and a half minutes, which is long by today's standards for sure. Uh, And then you said Superwoman by Stevie Wonder. Superwoman by Stevie Wonder. I think that one's pretty long too. Because it almost sounds like two different songs to me. Eight minutes and nine seconds. That's a solid yes. long ass song. Yeah, that's so taking a, it back. I love to, it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got it. No, you're fine. When you said Superwoman, though, I thought you were talking about Little Mo. And I was like, no. where is Little Mo? <laughs> that's a good I don't know where Little Mo is. That's a great question. If you can locate Little Mo, please reach out to Rhythm and Bay on Twitter at Bay Rhythm and. <laughs> I would like to know. But I remember her just, song, but I meant the Stevie Wonder one. If you want to start a podcast that's just me and you exploring what happened to Lil Mo, and you know what I mean? Because people um, like comedians with mysteries, you know what I mean? Like the Free Britney movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we could call it, could it be like, I don't see her no more? Like, it could be the... <laughs> what if each episode we just find someone who's not famous anymore? It's that simple. It's like, yeah, no, like every episode is like, in conclusion... In conclusion, Jazzy Faye was found in Atlanta. And <laughs> just and he's like, I'm still producing. What are you talking about? He's like, I'm still here. What are you doing? We just find people at PTA meetings, the grocery. They're just re- being just being not just, famous anymore. Just where people are like, I'm at my office. Um, <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> So talk me, talk to me about Green Eyes by Erica Badu. Why that song? Green, green Eyes. Um, so this was this reminds me of a time in my life where this it was all self-inflicted. 
Um, but it was all just being fake heartbroken, you know, like one of those kind of like one of those things where you can look back years later and like, what was wrong with you? But I was smitten with some somebody and I mean smit. I mean, I know I sound like a 79-year-old lady, but like I was smitten. But that's really the best <laughs> way to describe it. But uh no, just you know, <clears throat> liking somebody real hard who just really do not like me back and um and i just remember hearing those different because because i know it's like the you know the different parts of the song and i was like this song perfectly describes the movements of love in my heart and it takes me on a journey like that's how i was like erica knows what i'm feeling and it was like i said just somebody who was like we're not a thing. We do smash from time to time, and we're not a thing. And I should know better than to be this caught up with somebody who doesn't like me. You know oh, what, though? Ridiculous. Men really will sleep with women they have they don't like one bit. Like, I mean, think about the fakest bitch you know. It's a man, isn't it? I like I said, it's, it's, it's it. And there are so many guys that I know who have been like can just say with a straight face, they're like, yeah, I've had sex with plenty of women I don't like. They're like, and they just say it like, it's just a, just as a matter of fact, like, how did you not know that? And I was like, really? Really? You know, and yeah, I know plenty of guys that say that. It, yeah. It's it's so wild too, because the definite, for the, if you ask these same men, they'll say the definition of a hoe is a woman who says, who has sex with men without feelings. And then they're like, and so I'm like, so either you're either you're sleeping with hoes or you're lying to women and telling you care about telling them you care about them. Like, that's yeah. a whole other podcast. Yeah. Uh, just like yeah. um, stop being terrible. <laughs> yeah. That, and so that, we all that, go through be called. I, um, I don't love you no more. Um, so we'll keep <laughs> with the, 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 the mo theme. We'll keep it. Keep it going. Um, but, uh, yeah, so no, but I just, but I also, in general, I thought it was just a very beautiful song and just kind of, I thought it really, it's a song, it, all the different versions of, cause it, cause it almost says, I think like three different songs in one, cause it almost kind of mm -hmm. starts off sounding like a, like a, like maybe something to kind of put you in the mind of like a Billie Holiday song. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it gets more R&B-ish, I think. And then, then you're just like this is so sad. Like she, like, I wonder how she, like, you can tell like, man, when she wrote this song, like she must've really been like, just trying to explain to herself, like, why did I feel this way about someone? Why did I feel so strongly? But now when I've listened to it, I've actually heard the, um, what is it? The Tiny Desk version, um, Tiny Desk concert version of it. And like, now I can, you know, listen to it where I'm like, you know, I appreciate the, the artistry of how beautiful it is and the way Whereas several years ago, I would have been like, this makes me cry and I'm so sad. And, you know, but now I'm like, I just appreciate it. It's just a dope song. Like, I really love it. I'm looking at these lyrics and I can see how it definitely puts you in that, like, that vibe of like, why do I feel this way? Ugh. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it, the lyrics are really powerful. Um, she mm -hmm. kind of breaks down, never knew what a friendship was, never knew how to breathe love. You can't be what I need you to. And I don't know why I fuck with you. Oof. Mm -hmm. Oof. Yeah. That got me because yeah. we we yeah. all go through bird like phases of, you know, right. just <laughs> it's, 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 
Only women have to call ourselves that were like, man, I was a bird for believing the things that were told to me. Oh, remember sure, when yeah. I was remember when I was stupid as fuck and listened mm-hmm. to people mm-hmm. like I we're all we to survive mm-hmm. dating men you have to kind of be a conspiracy theorist it's like okay yeah. okay but that's just what the man wants you to believe <laughs> right right for sure oh absolutely absolutely a little God. bit a little yeah. bit of a just the self-preservation yeah, yeah you just is important to, just like, I believe this to just to just to get through the day that's all, you know. <laughs> yeah, Do you ever, it. is it? <laughs> so the guy this is about, you don't have to name names. Although sometimes people will just be on here and be like, Stephanie oh. Miller, I still fucking hate you. <laughs> 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 oh, Do you, uh, when you think about him, have you, have you like, how, how is he in life? Do you wish him the best? Do you, yeah. You know what? There was, I think, um, no, I don't wish him well. No, no, I don't know. I... <laughs> Feel your feelings. This is a safe space. No, 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 no. I hope he's fine. Because like I said, this wasn't anybody that was like a boyfriend or anything. It was just it was just something where I was like, he's beautiful and I love his soul and I want him to like me. Like, that's kind of how it was that thing when, you know, like I said, you know, things happened a few times and I was like, ooh, what's happening? And he was just like, bitch, nothing. Like, like that was kind of his thing. Like, like I don't know what you, you know. And then sometimes we have these conversations where I'd be like, I think we're bonding, and he'd be like, No, we're not. You know, like, like it was so bad. It was so, so bad. But so I bad. Mean, uh, that's on gaslighting, though. Like maybe I'm just over sympathizing because yeah. I just absolutely like, dudes will be like. Yeah, I mean, yes, you came to church with me and you know my mom and I told you all my secrets, but that don't mean we go together. <laughs> right, like, I mean, come on. You talking about how we spent all last week together? No, I don't know where you got that from. You know, though, yeah, and it, and it, looked, and it wasn't even that, though. It was just mess and nonsense is for the most part is what it was. But, um, but I remember hearing that song being like, this explains how sad I am. Like, that's how it was, but... Yeah, do I think about to do like now? I'm just like, oh, that was so ridiculous. I should know better. Like that's really that's really what it was. But I'm like, I hope he, I hope he's thriving. That's what I hope. I hope he is thriving in life. That's what I. I don't. That's what I. That's what I. That's not. That's nice. I, well, I wish him at all. Back. It's not true, Jasmine. <laughs> I am lying. I don't want. I want all his plants to die. I want. <laughs> I hope his orders at restaurants are always wrong. Um, I, <laughs> Go on. I hope. I hope that. Um, let me see. Uh, I hope his tires, at least one, is always flat. Um, and it I keeps that, moving too. <laughs> yeah, and I hope that if he has leather seats in the car, that he always parks where the sun burns up where he sits. So. Um, that's that's what I wish. I hope he has a sunroof that sometimes left slightly ajar. So uh, I I don't I don't want great things. No, I'm I don't. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm over it. You're your first week. <laughs> I love it. 
Let's keep it moving to your next song. Tell us the next song on your list. Um, let's see. Uh, the next song on my list is "Prototype" by Andre Three Thousand slash Outcast from Speakerbox Love Below. Yes, yes. Okay. And there's even there, there was a version floating around out um where I think Jasmine Sullivan did a cover of it. Mm-hmm. Be still my heart. But I love I love um. I love Prototype. Um, it's such a, that song is so, I don't know, it's just some of it's just, I just, when he's hollering at the end on the fade out, when he's like, stank you very much. And I'm like, <laughs> Andre, you are, you are talking right now. Okay. And uh, yeah, but that song was a song that, I, mean, I still love it even now, but I, I think one of the reasons I, I mean, cause I always liked Outkast. But I thought that song was so different, you know, from anything I'd ever heard heard them do. And um, that also was around the time I was booed up with someone. So it, it reminds me of the starting of that relationship where I was like, I hope that you're the one. But if not, you're the prototype. And it was a bad prototype in retrospect. But at the time, <laughs> you know, at the so time you just, it was like, I was making a lot of no, bad need- decisions. <laughs> it's time for a complete redesign i don't think we can build yeah. from this one we're not gonna yeah. need yeah. we're gonna different directions this, this iteration is not the one we're gonna keep um yeah yeah but i but i do remember just thinking and even now though i will listen to it and be like oh my god this is such a beautiful song and i don't attach it and that's a, that's the thing i can say about those two songs i don't attach it to anybody you know i i appreciate that it is a beautiful song without my feelings being caught up in them. What I love is maybe unintentionally, you got us into a little bit of mess because there's a chance, there's a solid chance that possibly Erica Badu wrote Green Eyes about Andre 3000. You're right, you're right, I think so. Oh my God, you are right. Oh, how did I do that? Because their kid, let me see. Their child is, oh, I love mess. He is 23 years old and Green Eyes comes yes. out in 2000. So, and. Yeah, that's about, I think that's exactly what it's about. Yeah. Chances are, you know, they're trying, and they, and they dated for a little while after her child was born. I think they break up when mm-hmm. the kids look around. Actually, when does Sorry Miss Jackson come out? Hold on. <laughs> that was around, was that 2004? Sorry, Miss Jackson. Woo. Um, you can't. Yeah. Well, you know, you that's listen, released you know, in two thousand. Ooh, they were they were. Was that when it came out? Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And they that's what they said the song was about. They said the song was pretty much like the I'm apologizing to baby mamas, mamas. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was about. Oh, I remember God, being I like did. eleven years old and knowing every lyric, and just I don't know why I felt like I needed to rap it really hard. This song about a custody battle at eleven years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when that that song came out, it was also partially the bane of my existence because my last name is Jackson. So a lot of times, a lot of people would just yell out, "I'm sorry, Miss Jackson," for various things. Various. Do you still, even though it happens now? Yeah. I bet when do you, when you do shows, if they don't ask you what song you want to be brought up to, they they play. I'm sorry, Mr. Oh, Jackson. it does. It yep, that that's happened. And um, 
what was it? I remember when the song was out, I ordered something from UPS and the order kept um, the UPS guy. This, I don't know why he didn't just leave it in the mailbox, but he left the note on the door and, and wrote, sorry, Miss Jackson. And he's like, hi, I've been waiting to do that. If you didn't, if you, because I think it was like twice that he didn't give it to me. And he's like, I've been waiting. And I was like, you garbage truck of a person. How, he was like, I was hoping you wouldn't be here for your package a second Just time. so I could say Just so I could, that's what he wrote on it. And he said, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. And I'm like, you, sir, how dare you? How? I would never forget it on the note. Now you're just irritated oh. with no package. <laughs> nope. Nope. It was, it was, yeah, it was a, some mess I had ordered from Victoria's Secret to wear somewhere to a party. And he's just like, huh, I'm going to use this as an opportunity. I've been waiting. I was glad you weren't here twice. I was glad. <laughs> Ugh. Trash. All, all in a day's work for UPS. What can Brown do for you? Some bad jokes, all right? Brown does some hack jokes. <laughs> he was waiting. Ugh. So prototype reminds you of the beginning stages of love, wondering, you know, what's going to come next, how to feel about it. So prototypes mm -hmm. off of the love below, which is like probably yeah. outcast. But in my work, in my opinion, it's one of their best works. Is that your yeah. favorite song off of love, love below or? Um, uh, what's that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I great. have to admit, I, lis I listened more to the Andre 3000 part of the album than I did the speaker box part. So I, I think that's, I think that's everybody's truth. It's just, it's, it's kind of yeah. funny too, because it felt like speaker box was the one I'll just say it. White people were fucking with it hard. Cause Hey y'all was on there. Yeah. So like you, you wanted to be a little contrarian and wait, be like who, actually speaker box is better. Wait, which one? Wait, or was, wait, or was Andre the love below? Speaker yeah, box. Andre's Love Below and then Speaker Box is, is Big Boy and it's a combined album okay. that has both of them together. Right. It was a really but, it was a really groundbreaking way for them as a group to basically make music separately together. They released two albums yeah. as one at the same time. So yeah. it was kind of genius because then they didn't have to compete with one another. But was Hey Ya Love Below or was it Speaker Box? Or how did they Hey Ya is Love Below. Uh, Big Boy isn't right. even on Hey Ya. Okay, yeah. Okay. Are you, are you okay. thinking of no, Roses? No, 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 no. I thought you said it was on speaker box at first. I was like, wait, okay, but no, I got it now. Maybe I did misspeak. No. If I misspoke, then you caught me, you right. It does, no, 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 no. I just, I'm fine now. Cause I was like, wait, which one? But no. Yeah, what, but what, what else did speak? What else? Did, what, but there was something that came off of speaker box, right? That people like, which one was that? The way you move. The way you move that, has I, a I was just about to ask if that was it. Okay. I did like that a, song hold on the black community it, <laughs> why have i yeah. okay so I, there's this video of my nephew when he's like nine months old and he's like just starting to dance and he's dancing and my whole family is like do that thing where you just dance with a baby and you bend it and i really we're rapping the lyrics to that song <laughs> and we go drip drip drop there goes an eargasm to a two-year-old and he's just <laughs> This video is so inappropriate, but all of us are just all singing together. <laughs> like two midges in the backseat wrestling. <laughs> oh, and this baby is just hearing all of this. 
<sighs> kids just like bass. They don't care about lyrics. They, they, they do. Like they don't. The move. The music hasn't moved them yet. The words, <laughs> you know. I'll have to. I'll have to send you that video of my family just singing explicit lyrics, lyrics to a child. I think. Please, I would love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, this is a great playlist. Like this is one that's like put together, listenable. It's good vibes, you know. So I like it a lot. Take me to your next song. Next song, uh, because this reminds me. Uh, this is a song "News for You" by Eric Benet. Mm. And uh, yeah, and I think it. I think the beginning. Uh, gosh, is it? I don't know if it's an interpolation or if it is a, if it's a sample of an Earth, Wind, and Fire song, but it might be. But it does the do 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 like, but it's just a happy feelings it, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, is that Maze? That's who I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I couldn't remember. I was like, who? I was like, which group? I'm like, I always get it. Okay. And I want the people for the record to know I am very clear on who Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Maze. Featuring oh, Frankly, you're right. Happy feelings is maze. No, 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 you're right. No, you're right. Happy feelings is maze. I thought happy feelings was Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> but yeah, but I, but but I also I said I thought it was beginning to an Earth, Wind, and Fire song. But so this is my fault. I led us down this path. But no, but happy feelings is um, yeah. But that's that's what it, and I because I don't I don't know if that was credited as a um sample or not. but it, that's how the song starts off but I, I love the instrumentation on that song because it almost sounds like I mean, I'm guessing it's a studio track but it almost sounds like it's live in studio is kind of how it sounds to me but I just mm-hmm. love the the lyrics of the song it's just so and it just kind of um it reminds me of the that, that reminds me of the early stages of my current relationship because I remember hmm. um <clears throat> hearing that song one day and I was like, man, I really like this. And so he and I would always kind of trade songs back and forth that we were like, these are songs that remind us of love. And then I was like, I got a new one to add to the batch. And we both would be like, you know, he's, you know, and I listened to it the other night and I was like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of our early boot up days. Like, it, you know, and so it just, that that's why I like it so much. So it just reminds me of, of, of Ransom. That's his name. So, Your partner's name is Ransom. It is Ransom, yes. <laughs> Ransom. That is that name. feels like a name that Gwyneth Paltrow would have come up with for a very <laughs> I, I can't believe there are adult ransoms. Like I feel like I feel like a ransom is in a stroller with some Ray-Bans on. Like it just <laughs> Right. That's a and it's funny because that's the he did not like that name growing up at all. He did not like it. In fact, because when I met him, I only knew him by his childhood nickname. Like that's how I, I I knew him. And then later on, I'm like, "Your real name is what? Oh, okay." But yeah. Um. So a lot of people, in, but people in his adult life, and I always have to make a conscious effort when I'm talking to other people to be like, "Let me not fall into calling them by his nickname," because only people in his family and people that knew him. Because we actually met as teenagers, but we didn't date till years later. But um, I always have to go like, let me remind myself to call him Ransom. Let me remind myself to call him Ransom to other people so that they will also call him Ransom and not be all super familiar like, hey, you know. So, yeah. 
That's interesting. So you met as teenagers. Did you go to high school together? Or how did y'all meet as teenagers? We we went to high school uh, one year together. He had actually, um, he was the new boy at my school, my senior year of high school. And um, his mom is actually from my hometown and they moved from Vegas to come to Georgia so he could, um, so to finish his last year of high school. And he did not want to be in Columbus, Georgia after living in Vegas, which completely makes sense if you've been to both places. And even if you haven't, it still makes sense. But um, yeah, so that's how we met back then. And we were just like, oh, that's just the, just a dude that I know, you know, like, hey, you know, he's my basketball coach's son. I'm like, hey, 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 Miss Rockwood's son. Like, that's kind of how he was like that guy. And then mm-hmm. we still can't even remember at what point in life where we changed, exchanged numbers to be like, oh, we're friends and we're cool with each other. Like, that's how long we've known each other. We were like, when did we, like, how do I even get your phone number to talk to you and hang out with you? And then... <laughs> You know, we have no idea, but, but yeah, somewhere along the lines, probably, I don't know, seven, eight years ago now, but my, uh, my little sister, even back in the day, my sister would always be like, why isn't he your boyfriend? I want him to be your boyfriend. Yeah. 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 My sister would be like, he's so cute. He should be your boyfriend. (laughs) I was engaged at one point. Uh, oh wait, hold on. Like, I was engaged at one point, and my sister was like, "He should be your boyfriend." <laughs> and I was Over like, your fiance. <laughs> and I was like, "Girl, I am engaged." And she was like, "I don't care. He should be your boyfriend." <laughs> yeah, siblings but, um, be knowing. They know. Yeah. Um. He he made so he he started referring to her as the baby oracle, but um, but uh oh, but who made the first move? I, you know what? I don't. Even I just remember like, cause we the thing is we'd always talk over the years. Like we would talk, we we call each other. Then we might not talk for like three to six months. Then we call back and catch up. What you been doing? What, what you been doing? Like, that kind of thing. And then like one day I just remember him being like, "Call me back." You never call me back. You always say you're gonna call me back, but you never call me back. And I'd be like, "I do call you back." Sometimes it's just three to six months later. And then. Um, <laughs> And then for whatever reason, this particular time, I was like, oh, I'm gonna call him back. Cause he said, I never call him back. And then I called back and then we just ended up talking for hours. And my sister was like, it's happening. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> I was like, it is not, but it was. So yeah. And somewhere along the lines, it was very much like, he was like, yeah, I mean, you could come visit sometimes. And I was like, okay, I'm going to come visit. He was like, you're not going to visit. And I was like, I'm going to visit. And then, so it's really is his fault. Let's just blame it on him. He made it by daring me to visit him. <laughs> oh, yeah. The baby oracle knew all. She saw all. <laughs> <laughs> knew all. I love stories of friends who turn into relationships later. I think those are some of the best relationships ever, actually, when it just yeah. takes its time. Yeah. yeah, and it's and then especially when it's not one of those things where it's a guy that's just being like, I'm just kind of being your friend until I hope you fall for you know, like like what well, is is genuinely like, oh, we were cool and we were friends, and oh, like I prefer that kind of thing as opposed to I'm doing this under the guise of friendship because I'm really trying to holler. 
Gross. It is funny that you chose Eric Benet because he is someone, these are like, I'm looking at this and this album comes out like post dreadlock Eric Benet. And I am someone mm-hmm. who like, as a child, I mean, a ch- I was a child when he was married to Holly Berry and I had some type of a grudge my whole life. I just like, I was like 10 years old and Eric Benet cheated on Holly Berry and I said, I will never listen to this man's music. So I don't think I've ever actually heard an Eric Benet Because I was like, how dare you cheat? I had, I had strong feelings about cheating at like nine, is, 10 years it, old. You're just like, I won't stand for it. I, <laughs> and I, I'm against it. When there was like playground breakups, I would pick sides. I mean, like... Dramatic. So you've always been. I must say, you've been involved in mess your whole life. Yes, adjacent messy, real early. Look at that. At nine or ten, you're like, listen, I don't know what, I don't know what Eric did, but I don't like it. I mean, oh, Jay Z said never go Eric Benet, and <laughs> so I need to explore more of his music because this song, you, I, the lyrics are really powerful. I like them a lot. Life's yeah, too pre- life's too precious just to be wasting time. You disappoint me. It's something that's so familiar. You get them hopes mm-hmm. up high to watch them fall again. See, Eric kind of sounds like a male bird mm-hmm. here. Like he's really <laughs> <laughs> he is a man. He is a bird. He is. He's <laughs> he's falling hard. You know, getting strung along on this song. And he's I've like, well, for your you. information, <laughs> we should be dating. <laughs> You don't know how I do. Oh, <laughs> love it. Oh. Love it. Love it. I get Eric Benet and Maxwell mixed up too often to admit, and they're very different people. Yeah, I Listen, I, I I saw Maxwell live in concert in Atlanta several years ago, and he danced so hard that he split his pants to his suit. Front and or back scene? I, back. It was the back, but he was, I mean, when I say popping hard and he was like, hold on, everybody, hold on, hold on. He's like, yeah, yeah, gotta, gotta stop for a second. And then he disappeared and he, there must be something he did quite a bit cause they were the same exact pants. I was like, he must have like 78 of these suits he travels with. Cause it wasn't alternate pants. They were the same suit pants. That, He's not yeah. really a fast song kind of guy. What, what, what was he twerking he, like this to? Like, I, you know, I can't even. I can't. And it was a. It was. There was a Pretty Wings album because he did, and the and he sounded exactly like the album. I never Ooh. like. Yeah, because in fact, Erica Badu performed first, and she was amazing. And then mm-hmm. um, he. Was yeah, and uh, he was the the headliner because I think the other night it was gonna be him and Jill Scott, but um, yeah, he, I, remember I can't even remember. I cannot remember what that song was, but he was out there just, you know, just moving, and then he was like, "Hold on!" And I also remember him yelling at the entire city of Atlanta, and he was like, "Hello, Atlanta!" And he was like, "I don't care, girl." If it's that time, put the towel down, Atlanta. And we were like, oh, Ew. I'm here. Oh, God. I was like, I, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, because I was with it at first, and I was like, hey, Maxwell. Hey, hello, Atlanta. And I was like, oh, oh, no. And it was so funny because my, um, my cousin, who is married to one of my friends from college, 
they were also at the concert and I didn't know that. And she ends up texting me and she was like, girl, why is Maxwell up here telling Atlanta to put the towel down? I was like, are you at the concert? And she and I'm like, I thought it was just, she was like, I don't even know what, and we're both kind of like, what is happening right now? Why is he yelling at Atlanta collectively <laughs> to put the towel down? It was too much. Okay, so many, so many thoughts on that. I love it. Um, <laughs> you know, I recently found out that some com- some musicians actually pay comics to write jokes and commentary for them to say between songs. I didn't know you that know was what? a I'm, thing. I, I thought they were surprised. just up there bullshitting. And you know what? You I know. can see an, an incident like this leading to people being like, we're going to need some writers because put, <laughs> put the towel down. Atlanta is not going to fly. You can't. You can't collectively tell the city to do it. You can't. Also, that's what I'm in this episode. Put the towel <laughs> down, Atlanta. Put the towel. <laughs> <laughs> With me and Jackson. <laughs> oh, it was, I mean, it, like I said, it was just so funny getting that text. And she's like, girl. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, okay. So the reaction I had was the correct reaction. Okay. I love, I saw, who was it who I saw? Like one thing, Beyonce does no chatter. She gets the song, the song, she doesn't, she doesn't BS. Nicki Minaj does so much between song chatters. And the one thing I remember her like really doing a lot of talking, she was like, do y'all think I have big boobs? Cause I don't, they're not as big as they look. They're really a C cup. Y'all don't believe me, but it's a C cup. Nobody ever believes me. Anyways, boy, you made my heart beat. (laughs) It was such a non sequitur. (laughs) Like, uh, like, that's not a transition I would have expected, but she was like, I gotta let the people know. I gotta let y'all know. They're not, oh I'm just, God. I'm little. I just look big on TV. Like she just, she's, that she's is, fun. <laughs> that is, she's like, listen guys, let me fix your fantasies right now. It's a C cup. <laughs> oh man, news for you, Eric Benet. Great song. We are coming to that time. It is the end of your playlist. We got one more song. What is it? One, the, the final song is, um, <clears throat> I Need You. The live version by Jill Scott. Ooh, why that song? Uh, you know what? I, it, it, again, I don't think it was attached to a person, but I do remember hearing that song and just being like, this song I feel like speaks to um like just the, you know, just like the vulnerability in a relationship and telling somebody like, you know what? Because, you know, because I love because there's one part of the song where she's like, you know, I could be a lawyer. She's like, I could be a lawyer. I could be a doctor. Um, you know, she was like, um, I can, you know, I think she's like, I can be a queen. I can be all these things. But still, I need you, you know, like, um, like, that's kind of the, you know, like where I was like, it's so beautiful because I do think, you know, as black women, you know, we were like, I gotta be strong in all these things, you know, or or people mm-hmm. perceive us that way, you know, and she's just kind of like, no, 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 like I still, like, because I think there's a part where she's like, I can kill the spider over my bed, but, uh, you know, but she pretty much like, me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it, but, you know, but she's, but she says all that to still be like, but I still, you know, I still, you know, and I'm like, and the live version of it is so just, and I love the, the album version, but the live one, when I heard that one, I was like, that's the one that is it's so, so powerful and such a beautiful song. 
Jill Scott is such a talented writer. Like lyrically, it's it's smart. It keeps moving from one thing to the next. Like it's, but yeah, I think it definitely speaks to what it is to be a black woman and the belief in the strength of us, which is a beautiful thing. But it is also nice that black women have that strength in being beautiful and strong at the same time and also being mm-hmm. vulnerable and strong at the same time. Yeah. Um, that's you know, lovely. I can kill the spider over my bed. I'm not. No, that's not me. The, the spider lives there now. <laughs> he can have the house. <laughs> right, right. And, it's, and her voice is just so beautiful. Like her voice is just, oh, I love it. And then, um, and I think in the live version, when she starts saying, I need you, she's like, you know, she's like, you know, uncle, I need you, daddy. I know like she's just like naming, you know, like, like these are people in my life that I need, you know, type thing. And mm-hmm. just, 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 I'm always like, these are words that I would say if I was more vulnerable, if I was a more vulnerable person, but I am not vulnerable enough to say these things, but Jill says it for me. And this is what I would want to say. <laughs> so that's why I really like it. Yeah. I like that a lot. The vulnerability of it all is really beautiful and really important. And you said the live version, she's got the back and forth. That's really cool. Yeah, it's so really beautiful. Jill Scott is one of those people who it's like everyone knows her, but no one knows they know her. Like I'll mention Jill Scott music and they're like, what are you talking about? And then I'm like, no, oh you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like Jill is the truth man she is just uh she has so many and in her songs because like they just kind of they range from like where they're inspiring they're kind of around the way but then you have these songs that are like really sexy too where you're like oh <laughs> i don't think i truly appreciated her until i was like like fucking you know what i mean i was like a full <laughs> Because have you ever heard her song Crown Royal? Crown Royal, and I, that's exactly what I was about to say. Jesus. And that song's too, it's so short. I'm like, why is this song not long? But that song's make that song will make you be like, I'm about to make some bad decisions tonight. I remember my freshman year of college when I got in with some unsavory characters. They were uh, <laughs> the, the leaderboard of the NAACP at my college. <laughs> No, they were the coolest, smartest girls who ran everything, but then also smoked a lot of weed. And they they like knew I was a virgin and they're like, you need to listen to this. Get yourself in the right And so I was a virgin who had I was a virgin who had never smoked weed before. And I remember this song playing and someone was like, well, you'll just do a charge. That's easier. And someone blew smoke into my mouth. And (laughs) instantly I started choking and gagging for my life. And I come out the bathroom. I'm like trying and I'm like, oh no, I think I'm high. (laughs) I have to do a tour. I have to do a guided tour of the campus tomorrow for incoming freshmen. Am I going to be high tomorrow? How do I make it go away? (laughs) Oh my God. That is adorable. <laughs> I was so terrified, but then, like, I learned that you know, I listened to Crown Royal later, you know, in the the right mood and the right accoutrement, and I was like, "Ooh, okay, this is a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a, a feeling." <laughs> that song, yeah, I, I mean, I'm like the opening song, you know, the opening chords of that song, and you're like, 
Okay. All right. <laughs> Trouble is a brewing, Jill. Trouble is a brewing. Okay. It is. It, it's a trouble song. It'll get you into trouble yeah. for sure. Yeah. God, yeah. it was also those girls introduced me to Zane books too. They was. <laughs> I, you know, I never got into the Zane books, but I've I've heard about them. I've heard they were uh, or are a treat. <laughs> I'm just glad I, I read them as an adult. Apparently, a lot of people I knew were like 12 years old. There's like one called like oh. the Sisters of. <laughs> what was it called? There's a book called The Sisters of Alpha Phi Fuckem about this like underground <laughs> this sorority oh. that was also a brothel. <laughs> oh. So I just associate Jill Scott with the round table is what they would call it. <laughs> Uh, see now, you know what? Maybe maybe it was like, maybe this is what I need to do is go read a Zane book. That's what I'm gonna have to do. Go read a Zane book and uh, and listen to it's Crown Royal. Crown Royal. <laughs> just and just see what headspace it puts you in. This is such yeah. a good true R and B playlist. You've got some like really great like really great love songs. They're these are more slowed down than I was expecting from you. I don't know why I expected like more high energy, but these are really great, like slower energy, like songs you really get to reflect with when you listen to them. So thank you for sharing that with me. Well, that is gonna conclude the playlist of our life. The last segment that we like to do is an advice segment. So I always ask you guys to send in your questions. Feel free to email rhythmandbay at gmail.com with your questions. We also do voicemails. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, the phone number is always in the body of the uh, descriptions when you find us on Spotify, Stitcher, but send us your messages. Now this week, I've got an interesting question. And the question is, what's the best song for confessing your feelings to a friend? All right. So oh, let, let's say our, our, if you had to pick a song to confess your feelings to a friend, I, I'm assuming the feelings are romantic. <laughs> if the feelings were like, bitch, I'm mad at you. Um, right. Oh, <laughs> man, what's a good, a good, um, mm, a good song to confess your feelings to someone? I don't know. It's, uh, God. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, good- I would be terrified if someone confessed their feelings to me via song like what do you mean are you gonna are you gonna Absolutely. sing to them in public yeah i don't like don't i mean i i mean i guess maybe the best bet is just to have some jazz playing so maybe something um maybe some kenny g um so you can really <laughs> Send <laughs> You're like, I can't have lyrics. Me, has anyone ever sang to you? Because you seem to not like it. Has anyone ever sang to you? Would that be terrifying? Has anyone ever? I would be, I would, I would die. Um, let me see. I'm trying to think. Um, I remember somebody was singing with me one time and I was like, ooh, he's in a lot of bad notes and I do not enjoy this. Um, <laughs> So do not do not serenade Miss Jackson. Don't do it. Don't serenade me. Now once now somebody did write now somebody wrote me a poem one time at church and I was really upset about it because um, I remember they said they said I got this semi citizen said I think they wrote it on the back of like a church program or something and it was like 
your eyes are like diamonds and they spelled it D-I-M-O-N-S. And I was like, <laughs> this is upsetting. I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not happy about this lyric. I don't, I don't want to inspire bad spelling, you know, like that's not, I thought Wait, I was, was this another that, child but. spelling diamond wrong <clears throat> or an adult? I feel like, no, I might've been maybe 17 or so. And I think maybe this, yeah, this was this, I think he might've been like 15 or something. <laughs> he had but, time but to old, learn how to spell. Old enough, <laughs> old enough to spell diamonds right. Yeah. And I was just, I was so embarrassed when I got it. And, and I was like, what is, what is this? And I was like, oh. And I think he gave it to my mom to give to me too. My mom was like, somebody. And I was like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, I got serenaded when I was in high school. There was a thing where the gospel choir did this fundraiser where you could pay $3 to have someone from the gospel choir come sing to your crush in class. I cannot believe the school allowed this. Like, this is before, it was before all them kids you know, with, with cy- this before cyberbullying was really rampant. Uh, I, I have a feeling this started oh. cyberbullying because it was a bad idea. But I'm just oh, minding no. my business in class. And this girl comes in to sing to me. Now, she's not who had a crush on me, but someone else had paid. And, and the young man who paid his name, he's a sweet boy. He's married now. He seems to be doing well. Um, but he sang, he had this girl with the deepest voice I've ever heard. This, and I'm not tall. I'm like five three. This girl was like four eleven, and she had the. I mean, you you know the beginning of Temptation, like when the Temptation Silent Night, Merry Christmas from the Temptation. Yes. This yes. is how this girl. Yeah. This is how this fifteen year old girl sounded. Oh, and she no. sang. She sang. We belong together. Oh no. No. When you left, you lost a part. It was so deep. I'm doing a Michael McDonald voice because I can't. It's a deep version of We Belong Together. Yes. I mean, like it was it was like old man river. Like it was like a Negro spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) What do you what do you do though? Like what not old man river. I stood there frozen. I stood there frozen. And then this boy who I'd never met, never talked to came around the corner and he was like, hi, you know? And I was like, hi. And he's like, that song was for me. And I was like, what? And he's like, it's for me. And I was like, why? And he's like, because of what the song says, we belong together. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. I'm not allowed to have a boyfriend. Oh, was that true, Jasmine? No, girl. Oh my God! I know, I know, I knew it wasn't, but there was a part of me that wanted to be like, "Yeah, that's no." What did he say? Because also, and, and, and no, what did he say? He said, "I understand." He was so sweet about it, and I felt so oh. bad for so long. This poor boy, oh, no. and then for weeks after that, people would be like, "You can have a boyfriend. You don't have to." Do-. And then, like when I like boys later, people were like, "Oh, Jasmine says she can't have a boyfriend." Like it, it oh, followed it me for years. 
oh, that's just horrible. Because it's also, you know, but that's also, but it's, that's such a, but it also speaks to like the state of affairs as far as like how we can, how we condition people to think about relationships because mm-hmm. this is what you had never seen before. Who was like, I've seen her and we belong together. And yeah. that has prompted me to now buy a song from a deep voiced child to sing to another child. <laughs> like, that's so- Why did the school allow this? Why like, did they? Sh- there should have been some caveat, like, play only y'all better be in a relationship oh. don't you be springing this up on yeah, each other this don't. is not gonna work out like a movie but it's, like we oh no. it, it was a yeah. non-consensual singing i didn't like it yeah. <laughs> uh, i would i would have just uh i would be livid now I, and i do i remember once i when i was in probably middle school early high school i remember my best friend at the time she let me hear some boy singing to her on the phone and she had to tell me to be quiet because I was laughing so hard because it was so bad. And like, he just, and it was a song. And I was still, I still, I don't even know what, I don't know if he wrote it. I don't know if it belonged to somebody else, but I still remember him hollering over and over going, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. I'm a man. Mm-hmm. Not doing his own and background was, vocals. <laughs> And I was in the side just broke. <laughs> like just, I mean, Al could not. She was like, she was like, he's she was like, he's sinking. And I'm a man. I'm a man. Mm-hmm. And it just was so bad. So bad. Oh, Mia, that terrible. is beautiful. So we say all that to say, first of all, listener, please n- know your audience. A song may not be the best way to confess your love. I'm sorry. If you asked for this advice in 1982, we'd have very different responses. <laughs> but yeah. now get consent before you dedicate a song. But my official yeah. recommendation is going to be Can We Talk from uh, oh, uh, Tevin, Tevin Campbell. Campbell. That's a, because you. Oh, that's a good one. I think you should talk first. Uh, Nothing that says, you know, we're meant to be together. God aligned us. Mm -hmm. You have to be my girlfriend. Are you going to go missing? None of that. I don't know if there's a song that says that. But (laughs) But somebody, I mean, songs in a nutshell have said that basically, you know, so (laughs) no. Yeah. But that's a, you know what? That's a good one. Yeah. Can, cause yeah. Can we talk? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Mia's suggestion is just to go somewhere that's playing a little Kenny G. So there just Kenny happens G to be just, music in the background. Just happens to, right. Yeah, because I, I want people to use your words, just not lyrics to songs. Like, don't put them over, like, just. Use yeah. your words, not your lyrics. Not your lyrics, <laughs> just. Yeah, but can we talk? That's, I don't even, that, and, and that's, that's a song I will still listen to all the time because it's such a great song. Such a great song. He does a lot of hollering in that, and it's beautiful. It is. It is quite a bit of hollering, but you know what? It's it's a it's a. Can I ask you a question? Can I talk to you? It's it's consent. Yeah, it's there's power in consent. We love consent here at Rhythm and Bay. (laughs) Can we talk for a minute? I just want to know your name. That's all. He's he's like, you know what? Thank you, thank you. As opposed to pretty brown eyes. You're breaking my heart. 
uh, stop. Have you have you ever? That's that's the song where if you read those lyrics, you're like, oh dear, mint condition. Oh dear. Uh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I gotta look at it. I gotta look at it. Please, you gotta look at it. That's this is a song ransom and I have discussed on several occasions. Um, it is. There's an episode of Everybody it. Hates it's, Chris where they they play that song and uh, where Chris like gets broken up with by this girl and you keep holding on to your thoughts of rejection. <laughs> yeah, the way it's yeah, it's a disguise. The way you treat me, then he's like, um, what is it? Um, you can't disguise all the pounding of your heart. Yeah, because you keep following me. That's why. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. That's why I told my friends, you don't mean nothing to me because I don't know you. Yeah. This is a, yeah, mm-hmm. this is a taking no for a maybe. It's, it's you yeah. know, there's just so many videos, like the way you make me feel, just so many videos that were just a man dancily stalking a woman. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah so I like I mean like yes Michael I appreciate you sliding down the street in your penny loafers but you need to relax you need to relax yeah oh, breaking my heart now I can't is too much now I can't decide if I'm gonna call this put the towel down Atlanta or shine bright <laughs> like a demon <laughs> like a demon <laughs> Oh I'm gonna let the spirit right. move me. But this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for doing the show, Mia. Where can people oh, find you and listen you. to you? Um, you know what? At Mia Comedy on Instagram and, and, and Twitter. Then my website is miajackson.com. And and I think if guys we have Paramount Plus, you can go watch the Comedy Central half hour. It's still out there in the streets. And there's also a lot of clips of it on YouTube too. So yeah, out here had a thing on epics a few years ago that's a fun one and i think there's even a podcast version of my epics episode out there in the world that yeah. was unfiltered sets right or unprotected, was, uh, unprotected sets yes <laughs> which everybody's always like unprotected there's been so many people that have introduced me at shows like you've seen our unprotected what sets or sets and i'm like guys come on yeah so yeah this is fun so thank you Thank you. This is, I love talking about music. So thank you. I love listening to talk about music. Guys, thanks again for turning in, tuning in, turning in. You turned it up and you tuned in. Thanks for being here on Rhythm and Bay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jasmine Ellis. If you like the podcast, don't hide it under a bushel. Shine the light, share it. Let everyone know to leave us five stars. We got to get those stars. And you can find us on Spotify, Instagram, Stitch, everywhere. Uh, also, we're on Twitter, Twitter at twitter.com slash bay. B-A-E, Rhythm and. Yes, I made a mistake. I can't fix it. But we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Rhythm and Bay and Instagram.com Rhythm and Bay. Confusing, I know. I don't know how to fix the Twitter, but Bay with the man, Rhythm and Bay, they're all under my umbrella. I'm Jasmine Ellis. You can find me on all the things. Keep listening, share the podcast, and as always, keep it smooth. Mm-hmm.